0: is I hope it's not a distraction. It's not really going to matter. Um, so I'm just going to warn you so that it won't be, so it'll be less of a distraction. Um, today I have a choice. I chose not to get, I got new glasses. So uh, this is a very encouraging church. So like, that's why those few people are clapping. <laughs> but, um, but I was told that my vision up close has gotten better. Um, So I decided to just have one set of glasses for reading and one set for distance. I had bifocals, which I probably should have worn today. Because when I'm reading the passage, I'm probably going to, and as I look at my notes, I'm probably going to take my glasses off because these are the distance ones. And then so I can see you a little bit better, so it just won't be blurry, I'm going to put them back on. So don't let that be too much of a distraction for you. Um, And then I also want to... Um, just tell you a little bit about myself. Can someone close that middle door, please? Um, Tell you a little bit about myself uh, throughout life. Um, As I just say that in the area of sexual immorality, um, loneliness is obviously not the only scheme that the enemy uses. And today we're going to look at uh, one that could be... um, prominent for people, whether they realize they're lonely or not, or whether they're responding to loneliness or not. Um, And we're going to see how the enemy uses that scheme in a way that just sets people up for failure. So I do not remember the first time I realized that I was attracted to women or girls. They weren't women. They were girls. (laughs) And I don't know if there's anything I can do on my end about the feedback, but if there is, please let me know. Um, but I do remember being fairly young. I wasn't 10 years old yet. And we, <laughs> we were at Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. Again, some of y'all may not be old enough to remember Chesapeake Bay, but that was, that was a place that we used to love to go. Um, and then when you, were, when, when you got to an age where you were dating, like if you were real serious, you would hit that Chesapeake Bay Seafood House with her. You know, one of Karen's of my first dates were was that Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. Yeah, uh-huh. So I was there with my with with my family members, and my uncle was with me, and there was some little girl um who was there and I thought she was cute. And uh I mean, you know, it's been known to happen. That's pretty natural, actually. So I expressed my my pleasure at seeing her by like moving my eyes up and down, you know, the eyebrows up and down a couple times. And my uncle thought it was like so cute. He was like, oh man, that's that's funny right there. Oh nephew, like, all right, yeah, man. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So, so that was the beginnings of like, oh. This is something like I, I'm, I must, maybe I'm supposed to behave like this towards girls that I like the way they look. I remember also, so these are little things, so we're going to come back to these little things, but, but these are little things. But I remember being in lower elementary, in uh, elementary school, and there was some fifth, sixth grade girls that was like, oh, <laughs> They were like, oh, he's cute. That's my boyfriend right there. Then another one was like, no, nah, that's my boyfriend. Then they was like, who your, who, who's your girlfriend? And I was like, both of y'all are my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, oh, oh, he a two-timer. They were, you know, they made fun of it. Oh, he's two-timer, he's two-timer, he's two-timer. <laughs> and then at some point, I don't know what age it was. I don't know what age it was, but like, I'm sure there are testimonies about this among many of us. I was in my parents' house and I found my stepfather's stash of magazines. How and why I was led to that, I will never know, except for to say that was the scheme of the devil. And boy, did life kind of change after that. The way I saw, at that point I was probably, I wasn't, I was at least double digits. Um, but I didn't, I didn't say, what I, one thing I didn't say was that at the babysitter's house where there were older girls, Older, she had older children. Um, one of the daughters, um, you know, told me to do certain things. And I, I did those things. And, um, and they're not, that, that's not necessarily traumatic for me. Because it probably wasn't traumatic because part of me probably liked it. Because, like, that's what you think you're supposed to do. All right. In, in in one regard, like, OK, this is what you do or you're learning this or whatever. Right. Um, but then I found that. And the effect of probably I don't know how many times I would watch, you know, look at those books. And then there was, uh, you know, there was somebody in our neighborhood. We had a lot of free time on our hands. Not a good recipe. But uh, somebody. Didn't have they didn't have a stash, but they had like videos. Hey, look what we had, look what I found, you know. Um, those things affect how we interact with the area of sexual immorality because they season how you um, engage in that area. Um, not necessarily that you'll you know do stuff like my. Babysitter's daughter, Um, not that you, um, yeah, there are ways that it doesn't, but there are ways that you're definitely flavored and impacted by your past. And that you will be impacted by it if you don't take steps to take it seriously and to realize that some of those things are not, they're not, not some of those, those aren't the normal ways in which. That expression of you know that expression is supposed to take place, so first Corinthians six verses twelve through eighteen begin to attack some of the schemes of the devil in the area of sexual immorality because it offers an opposing god ordained view of how we are to engage in the area of Sex, period. And even if your past is different from mine and that they could have been like traumatic, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be one who would say I'm I'm traumatized by by any of that. I'm affected by those things, have been affected by those things. But there is hope. A lot of times we feel like there's hope and we'll get in. There's no hope, but we'll get into that. Let's read the passage uh, first. So uh, First Corinthians. Six, beginning in verse 12, where it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord And will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? What you have from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have, as the psalmist says, you have fearfully and wonderfully made us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. We thank you for the hope You give us in your word to not be dominated by anything. Father, we ask you that you would please uh, speak to us in ways that I am incapable of doing apart from your spirit. Lord, there is no way that I can have a simultaneous conversation with um, over 150 people at, at one time. But you are able to do this, Lord. You are able to address them. So I pray that you would help me to decrease and that you would increase. And I pray that you would. Lead us and guide us in your word and through your word so that we can operate in purity, operate in a way that glorifies you with our bodies here on this earth. We ask you this in Jesus name and we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So there is a lot in this passage and the way we're going to look at it is uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 13 through 18 first. Um, Because there's some things we need to know about how God sees us, and then we want to get to some practicalities um, as it relates to how this passage should shape our minds, so that we can have victory in this in this area. Okay, so um, beginning of reading verse uh, 13: Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. Just basically just saying that, you know what, those things, uh, um, God is going to destroy them. They're not always going to function the way they do now, right? So the stomach uh, and the uh, food, you know, it's not going to be, we're going to die, basically. (laughs) We're going to die, right? All right, so um, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. Now, remember, at the church in Corinth, um, the way they viewed sex Uh, was something that Paul had to correct, right? Because they had a situation in the church in which um, someone was sleeping with their father's wife. So it was maybe a stepmother or maybe like, in in my case, um, my my mom is married to someone whose age is like in between hers and mine, right? So um, he's not my father. I'm not gonna call him my stepfather, but that's my mother's husband, right? So this person was sleeping with their father's wife and the church Seem to be proud about it. For Paul said, you are arrogant when he addresses them in 1 Corinthians uh, 5.1, when he talks about how there's a sexual immorality in the church. That's not even the type that like even the world would frown on the type of sexual immorality in which you are engaged. But you're arrogant about it. You're not sort of, you know, you're not humbled by it at all. And you're not responding to it. And so he gives them instruction on how to respond but the body they may have thought was for sexual immorality for even Pastor Kurt uh, highlighted last week how even in religions like their 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 deities um, there's some deity that's either engaging in sex or that's for your sexual benefit in Corinth they had temple their prostitutes they weren't on they weren't in the red like district they were in in places that they considered sacred there were temple prostitutes for people to go to as an act of worship yeah 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 So, so the way that they understood how the body was to be used was that it can be used in this way to pleasurize myself and also as an act of worship so this is the context from which the church in Corinth Came out. So they could have thought that the body was for sexual immorality. They wouldn't be the only ones that think that. I mean, one of my favorite groups is the Isley Brothers. And I know some of y'all are too too young to know about the Isley Brothers. Don't you know that I'm living? Okay, all right. but, But they also have another song, this other song called It's Your Thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. And that's basically the whole song. They're just saying that the the whole song. And there were many other songs during that era where it was just all about free love. Use your body as you want. Um, Now we would say love is love. And why do we say that? We said that because we want no constraints on how we use our bodies. We think we're to use our bodies any way we want. But God says something different. The body is not why. Why does, why do car commercials or other commercials need sexy women in it? Because they're trying to attract you, get your attention and make you think that if you get this car, Unfortunately, they may be true with some cars, but if you get this car, <laughs> then, then you'll attract pretty women, right? <laughs> or if you use Axe body spray, then women will just throw themselves at you, right? Or whatever it is for your flavor, right? But they, they, they use things that will try to trigger the sexual appetite so that they can get you. May I have your attention, please? Because in their minds, the body is for sex. Period. That's that's what the body is for. The devil's scheme is to wear us down into a willingness to demean ourselves and others by thinking that the body is for sexual immorality. Because as we will see, it's not just, uh, I don't believe it's just ourselves. Yes, the passage is going to talk about how we, view, how we use ourselves, but we also use other people when we are sexually immoral. And that, could, that doesn't have to be the act of sex. That can be the way you view the opposite sex, or the sex you're attracted to. Because there's a mindset that is an accomplice to sexual immorality. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. The Corinthian church and our culture has bought into the message that the body is for sexual immorality. Sex, however, I want it outside of the bounds of what God approves of. I mentioned to you uh, about the, uh, the situation in the church. I'll just read it now. 1 Corinthians 5 uh, 1 and part of 2. Um, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? And then he gives instructions to remove that individual. The scripture does not ignore. So, so while sexual immorality, while the body is not made for sexual immorality, the scripture does not ignore that the body has desires and cravings. Second, um, excuse me, Ephesians 2, verses uh, 1 through 3 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you uh, once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we we all once lived, In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the the, the scripture doesn't say that the body doesn't have desires. It doesn't ignore the reality of that. But what it does say is that the body is. Not for sexual immorality, but the passage goes on to say, verse um, 13 goes on to say, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So the body isn't just about the cravings and desires that it may have because it has more than just those desires for sex. Right. So it's not just for that. It is ultimately for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. So verse 13 lets us know that that God has power over the body. One day we're going to die. We read that that that, you know, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for the food. But but God will destroy both and one both both of them. So. The, 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 the Lord has power over the body and that he's going to you know, the body is going to die, right? And this is what it tells us in Matthew 10, 28, about just thinking about the body. And it says, do not fear those who who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. All right. So so God is the one who can destroy both. And he's going I mean, unless he comes back, we all are going to uh, die. Um, and so we won't we won't have need for uh, our stomach at that time, right? I mean, there'll be. But also, in addition to the fact that the body will not uh, always be the same, eventually we'll have glorified bodies. Um, listen to what it says about this, just just to help you f- remember what your body is for. All right, um, this and, and hopefully this will all connect um, uh, by the time we're finished. So. Uh, not only will the Lord destroy the body eventually through death. Right. But then Paul says um, that. In verse 14, that God reminds us that God raised up the Lord and that he will also raise us up by his power. So our bodies are for some reason important to God. That it's not just OK, we're going to die and then it'll just be. You know, that we our spirits go and, and 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 our soul goes with the Lord, and that's it. Yes, the Lord speaks in terms of in my and uh, Ezekiel 18, he speaks in terms of the soul that sins, it will die, and stuff like that. But we also know by reading Revelation that that and other passages that there's going to be a bodily resurrection, that regardless of the decomposition that happens in the ground once we die, that some kind of way our bodies are going to come back together or, or, or be glorified, However, the, whatever the mechanics of that is, but we will have our bodies. Our bodies are important. The first thing we see about ourselves before we know anything about the personality of the person is their body. But the first thing you'll see about me is that if you see me from down there, you'll see, oh, that's a black man. Hopefully when you get to know me, hopefully I'm a nice black man. <laughs> When you come closer, or maybe you can tell from afar, he's a middle-aged black man. When you get to know me, you can learn more, but the body is important because it houses who we are. God could have, just think, Jesus could have, um, there could have been any, any manner of ways that the Lord could have implemented salvation, but Jesus takes on a body to do so. And it could have been, you know what, after he died and, and did all he did spiritually, it could have been that, you know what, that's it. Everything's secured. All right, just believe the message. But instead, he, his body is resurrected and he appears before people. He talks to them. He feeds them. He still does things with his body. So the body is not to be thought of as just a a part of us that's just only about temptation and suffering and all that it could seem like because we're not thinking about how God values the body he's going to raise our bodies just as he raised Jesus's body he's going to do that so that is something that we should remember it's going hopefully it, it, it all will come together for you um but the body is for the Lord. Why is it for the Lord? Just, just like in baptism, which usually we perform up here, we put the person down and then we raise them up. That baptism is an living illustration of what's happened spiritually for that person. If you, if you get baptized here, the first thing we want to know is, like, what's your relationship with Jesus? Because people shouldn't be baptized to Try to make a better life for themselves. People shouldn't be baptized to uh, just feel good about themselves. People should be baptized because they've been risen spiritually by the resurrected Lord. They've died to themselves. Remember, we said this all together last week. But um, in order to follow Jesus, the first thing we need to do is we need to deny ourselves and we need to take up our cross. As is the second thing. So denying ourselves means we're going to die to ourselves and then we're going to be raised. We are raised to live for the Lord. That's an illustration. The baptism is an illustration of what's happened spiritually. Within us. The reality of who we are spiritually plays out in our body. How we use our body is indicative of who we are in Christ. So when it says that the body is for the Lord, the body is for the Lord because You're for the Lord if you put your faith in him. So you're going to use your body to glorify him because I belong to him, as we'll focus on uh, later on. But but it says this uh, it's appropriate to bring up now, like like he who is uh, of the Lord, he's one spirit with the Lord. So we're one spirit. You can't just see that. You can't see that about me from seeing me down the way. You can see the things I mentioned earlier, but you can't see that I'm with the Lord. Now, you can learn that as we talk and you will see that as I walk, as I live right, but you you don't just see that the reality is the body reflects what's going on inside. the body is going to act out what's happening inside for the person of God, so they're for everybody really but we're we're talking to believers uh this morning so so we're one with the Lord we're joined with him and we could become one spirit with him and our body is a temple of the holy spirit therefore our body should do things that are in accord with glorifying him it is not just about our urges and our desires that's the point here it's not that that connection with the lord means that it's not we don't just do that the ephesians passage um, it, 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 it I'll, I'll read part of it again. Uh, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So, so this is what you were before Christ. But now that you're in Christ, the implication of flip side of that is that, well, now you're in the Lord. So you're not doing those things anymore. You're not just, just, just giving into the cravings. But being in the Lord doesn't erase my finding the stash. It it doesn't erase my uncle's encouragement at like, yeah, that's how you go with girls. It, it, It doesn't erase the encouragement you get from the big boys when you, you know, have a nice looking girl. Or it doesn't erase even The other encouragements that you might get that aren't necessarily sexual, they're just like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. So, oh, nephew, that's you. Black people say that when they like the, like the person that their little dude may be going with. See, in in, the, in the, there's a spirit of the age that's just saying, "Amen." man. Like, do your thing. Yeah, it is steaming in <laughs> But the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And the ultimate redemption of our bodies means that we should think of our bodies not just in light of right now, but we should remember the future. We should remember that one day, you know what, God's going to raise this body and therefore this body is for him right now. So the, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, um, but it's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God will raise our bodies. And we're so one with the Lord. That we're one with him in spirit. So therefore we should not use our bodies to join it to any one outside of the parameters that God gives us. For them it would have been prostitutes. For us it could be our boyfriend or girlfriend if you had those. Or a person outside of your marriage. When we do that because... In verse 16, the end of it, the two become one. We are sinning against our own bodies when we do that. So in light of that reality, in light of in light of the reality that God did not make the body for that. Yes, he made the body capable of engaging in um, and enjoying uh, sex. Our sex, uh, our, our body's not made for sexual immorality. It's made for sex within the confines that God gives us. And the message Pastor Kurt shared last week from 1 Thessalonians 4, um, that that message, um, you know, please refer to it because that's what we're we're building off of here. Um, So in in summary, our bodies are not made for ourselves. It's not made for sex. It's not made to give in to the impulses, though the impulses are will be there, though they do not, they are not erased because we become Christians. But as we said in when we talked about anger, it is not that just because we have urges, impulses, and cravings that we have to give in to them. It's not that we have to be steamrolled by them. But yet, in this area, Many of us are. So I mentioned myself earlier because there's like a, a I believe there's a spectrum. So the spectrum is not just the, the spectrum is culminated with sexual immorality. So remember in, um, in James, James, uh, chapter one, verses 14 and 15, where it says, uh, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Right? Then when desire. Then desire when it is conceived. Gives birth to sin. And when sin. Is fully grown. It brings forth death. So there you see a process. That. Probably more for, for many of us. And I've experienced this too. Just in areas of sin period. That it happens like this. But the scripture says. It happens in segments. So if it happens in segments, then we need to slow the process down so that we don't let the the, um, desire be conceived. So if you think about your your, uh, biology, the, 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 the egg to produce a child has to be fertilized, right? So we need to learn how to not fertilize the desires that we have so that they result in sin. And so some of us in this area, this will be one area where, where it's just easy to just be steamrolled, to not be able to parse out the desire through sexual immorality or some expression of it. So... How does one flee? Because there are two commands here. There's a description, but then there are two things that we have to do. The two things we have to do is flee sexual immorality. And that's verse 18 and verse 20. Glorify God with our body. So what does it look like to do this in light of what God says about the body That it's made for it's for him? It's not for sexual immorality, but it's for Him. We have the desire to make sure our bodies are for Him, but how do we slow things down so that we're using it for ourselves? First, we must remember just that: that it is possible. It's possible. Scripture says, which means God says, it's possible. Your feelings are not gonna say it's possible. The, the, the culture is not going to say it's possible. Some friends may not say it's possible, but God says that it's possible. So unless we're convinced that God is true and every man is a liar. We're going to believe what men say rather than what God says. We're going to believe what our feelings say rather than what God says. And this morning, I want to tell you that the beginning of victory in this area. Is. Believing that it's possible. Also, it's having patience for the process because, man, you're not going to just start being pure just because you want to without work when from, like, six, seven years old, ha, ha, nephew. Or like, hey, man, you go with shorty, i live over there. And then I'm sorry, I'm just going to be very plain now. Oh, you, you go with shorty all there? Yeah, man, you hit that yet? Mm-hmm. If you're growing up living like that, that's just part of just the normal everyday that joint is not special or anything. It's just like how people talk. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be affected by that. So you're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to put in work not to believe the actual commercial. We know that's Over the top, but you know what I'm saying. You get the point. So how do we flee sexual immorality? How do we glorify God with our body? First, we embrace that it is possible for me to glorify God with my body in this area. God says that. And the beginning of victory begins with The mindset, the mindset, I believe that it is possible. So if I believe that it's possible, if I fail in that area, one of my prayers would be, this is the way I would pray. Lord, I know your word says that my body is made for you. I've used it for myself again. Would you please help me to believe what you say and execute what you say? Would you please forgive me for my sin? In Jesus' name, amen. That's a solid prayer. I've prayed a prayer like that before, maybe prayers like that before. But there is work <laughs> that needs to be put in. For that prayer to come to fruition, because as we heard last week, that orange glow of power is not going to come upon you after that prayer. It's not it's not just going to change things. It's not going to be like there's not going to be like, Hey, shorty, You know, I mean, I remember being on a basketball court shooting baskets with some dudes and I was a believer then. And so they started talking about some some girl walked by some lady walked, by, she wasn't a girl. It was a woman. Some woman walked by and they was like. Oh, yeah, man, such and such, this, that, the other. And I was just like, man, I don't even have time to even hear this, so I'm gone. And then, you know what? This, was so, this is what was wild. So I didn't say I'm leaving because y'all are talking about this. I just left. Yeah. Yeah. They noticed that I left when they started talking about that. They're like, hey, Mike, man, come back, man. We talking about this. Come here. That's how bold the world is. And that was like many years ago. That was before I was even married. And on Wednesday, it'll be 33 years. Thank God. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not like that prayer is going to change you. And you know what? It's not like marriage will change you either. It's not like marriage will change you either. See, the thing is, when it, what he says in, in verse 12 is also lets us know about the mentality that's necessary. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. The, for one of the first questions we needed to ask about anything is, does this thing have dominance over me? Because I am not meant as a person who is following Jesus, as a person who has the spirit of God in them. I'm not meant for anything else to have dominion over me. Or at least that's the mindset that I have. And I've had to apply it, especially in this area. Right. I've had to, you know, uh, um, um, put it in play for like, okay, like um, uh, you're going to see people. But do you have to look at people? There's a difference. There's a difference. Right. There's a difference because one, I mean, you can't help. You're going to see people, period. Right. And people are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of them. (laughs) In their own way, everyone is. And there's someone for everyone. But you can't change that. You can't change that that God has made people handsome. You can't change that people that God has made people beautiful or cute or whatever, how, whatever adjective you you can't you can't help that. But the body is for the Lord. <laughs> right? It's not for you to use their looks, their build for yourself, even if it's not outright sexual immorality. To avoid sexual immorality, there must be a commitment to purity. There must be. uh, And I don't mean that in the sense of how, you know, the worst ways in which people have tried to um, to impose that. But I do mean that that when Jesus said that if you if you lust in after a person in your heart. You've already committed adultery with them. So that's before any expression with the body except the mind. Right. So the mind has to be on board with it's possible for me to glorify God. And it has to be in a place where it's it's saying I will not be dominated by anything. Not just in what I do with my body, but in how I think about others, how I think about people in general. It has to be pure. It has to be pure. That's if you're serious. That's if you that's if you you're, you're looking for, like, um, the first half of the ber- verse, all things. Well, is it helpful? Right. So the categories are dominance and helpful. So if something's having dominance over you, obviously, you know, you need to you need to you need to deal with that. Where it becomes a little bit more. Um, Subtle and a little bit more, you know, hidden is when it comes to what's helpful. So we need to think about what's helpful for us in living in a manner in which our bodies can glorify the Lord and not just our bodies. I'm making the I'm making this not just the body, the body follows the mind. So the mind has to embrace that my body's made for God. And the mind has to agree with Scripture. I will not be dominated by anything. And the mind needs to remember that all things are not helpful. So certain TV shows you watch are not helpful. Certain videos that may be watched are not helpful. Um, certain people are not helpful. Certain locations are are not helpful. Oh, and certain conversations yeah. are not helpful. And I'm not talking about just overtly sexual conversations. I'm talking about, about conversations married people specifically listen to me, but everybody listen. I'm talking about conversations where someone gives you something that you like. Affirmation appreciation, cooperation. Those things are not bad in and of themselves, but it's like, what do I do with that? Is that something I need? Or is that something that's going to make me feel more connected to this person in a way in which I shouldn't be connected with them? I'm going to tell y'all, this, this might seem petty, but there are only six people who I would ask well, no, there's one person who I would ask to make my plate. My wife. Now, there are five other people who, if they said, can I fix your plate? I would say, yes. That would be my four daughters and my mother. Everybody else. If my wife tell you to make my plate, make it. <laughs> Thank you. And let me know. Karen asked me, how, and I'm like, okay, good. Thank you. But just for me, like that's just, I I have lines, like clear black lines, like, okay. Like in the in the past I saw like, oh man, she makes her husband's plate. Okay. Now I didn't, I, I didn't tell, that's not a conversation we had. That's just how things have developed. But what's developed in me is like, I'm not letting just anybody fix my plate. Not cause I don't trust them, but because I'm, it's it's just something for me, right? And, and I don't want you to get anything. Not not that you would, but it's just like people are people. I'm just I'm just not gonna allow anybody to do just everything for me. So I, I've mentioned this before, but but at Parkdale High School, everybody is Mr. And Mrs. Doctor this and that. Why? Not cause. I feel like I always need to talk to people like that just to talk to them that way. But I just want there to be clear, professional lines, that the nature of our relationship is professional. So, you know, something like a, a, they had this phrase now, this work husband, work wife like that right there. Um, that. Don't don't, don't yeah, not, let that not even be named among members of Solid Rock. You will not have one of those. You have a husband or a wife, period. That's, a, that's what you got. Or, or you single. If you single, that, that work wife, husband, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not married yet. Don't think of anybody that way. Why? Why, 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 why? We want things to be crystal clear, not just for them. Oh! Not just for them, but for yourself, man. Like your biggest enemy, the biggest decision maker in your life is you. <laughs> So you don't want to blur those lines. You don't want the black to become gray. You want it thick and defined so that we all know this is where we go. This is where we go. Here, not there. Because everything is not helpful. Right? It's, it's not helpful for... for <laughs> yeah, but it's not helpful for everybody to have your number. That, that that that's not that's not helpful. That's not helpful. It's not helpful. You don't need. <laughs> I'm, one thing I'm glad for. I'm just want to shout out to Samsung right quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for the little feature in Samsung where you can have a thought at like two thirty in the morning. You can draft you a text and schedule it to go out at nine thirty a.m that day. Yeah, what? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I like that, because some people think more clearly at odd times, right? So it's like, you can't text somebody. So the time people text you, that should also be like, hey, people shouldn't be texting you all out of the night. Is it helpful? Oh, they're thinking about me at one thing. Okay, they might be, but like, why? 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 Like, why is a good question? Why? And if there's not a good answer to why, why? Because I don't want anything to have dominance on me, over me. I don't want anything to that's not helpful to move me in a direction that I ought not to be moving in. The passage in uh, Matthew 5 where Jesus talks about um, looking on a woman to lust after her is the same um, as having adultery with her. When he talks about that, he's, he's like he says, so if... Your eyes offend you, like pluck them joints out, right? I mean, he don't say joints, but just, that's, that's my interpretation. <laughs> I'm pluck them out. It's better to enter into life blind than to have every every. Then, so, what the point there is that, like, yes, everything may be lawful, but if it's if it's not helpful, be ruthless with it. Oftentimes we coddle things that we should just cut off. Yeah, oftentimes we coddle things that we should cut off. We play with it, we 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 but 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 we have a but but I remember my mom, I'm sure your mom said this too, but this is from my mom to me, so no ifs, ands or buts. That meant she meant like do that. And like We need to make sure when it comes to this area because we want to glorify God in our body because our way of fleeing sexual immorality is that we're going to be ruthless and so if we have to cut off if we have to cut off relationships it's better for me to endure a season of loneliness here so that I won't have to endure the consequences of being sexually immoral in eternity. We have to be ruthless. Ruthlessness starts with the mindset of my body is for the Lord. So I'm going to flee sexual immorality proactively. I'm not going to wait till we're alone on a date I'm not going to wait until I respond to the text. I'm not going to wait until after the FaceTime. I'm not going to wait. Proactive, because one thing that it's hard to see when we're engaged in any type of sexual immorality, or the things that are unhelpful, the things that are unhelpful, right? Because you, because you may not have crossed that line in some ways or it may have been a while since you did that but how do you remain like pure in God's sight it's remembering that it's remembering what First Corinthians 10 13 says well it's, it's, it's also remembering what 12 says so 12 I didn't give them 12 so I'm going to just say 12 12 says hey, amen it doesn't it, doesn't say amen, but I'm going to say it this way. <laughs> amen. If you think you're standing, like take heed lest you fall. Oh, yeah. Right, so be careful. Don't just think like, man, that's, that's another scheme that if you've done well for a while that you, that is cured. Yeah. Mm? Um, you've progressed, but it's not cured. It, it's, it's not cured. But 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So, all right, you're saying that this is a normal temptation, but it feels so strong. Everybody has to deal with this some, at some time, in some way. Or most people, I'm going say everybody, because they are always exceptions. But no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God, though he is faithful. See, in, when it comes to sexual immorality, when it comes to like urges, emotions and you know. when we're, we're not thinking God's faithful we're not we're not thinking about the faithfulness of God we're not thinking about God or if it is it's like a flashing thought he's faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability so any any temptation that we face it is not that we have to give in to the temptation regardless of how strong the urge craving etc appetite whatever you word you use it is not more powerful than your ability in the lord to overcome it so it's not it doesn't exceed your ability So he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also do what? He will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. In this area, the way of escape, I believe, includes proactivity, at least in my life. It's included proactivity so that I am willing to look for the way out because there have been some times when I don't want to know the way out. Right? I don't want the way out right now. This is like right now, Lord, I, my body is too strong. I ain't thinking about you right now, Lord. I'm, but this lets us know that he's faithful, right? It's not beyond our ability. He provides a way of, for us to escape. So if we don't have that mindset, then we will just believe the scheme of the devil, that my body is too strong for me to control. But the scripture, not Pastor Mike, not some psychotic, the scripture says that the body is for the Lord. If there's anything right now in, in your life that, that is not helpful, cut it off. Be ruthless. Don't coddle it. Because when the temptation comes, you think there's no way to escape, but it's because you haven't put in any work to, and, and, and proactively. It's you're waiting for the, 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 the orange glow to come, and then I'm going to be, no, you're not. And so we mentioned when we were talking about anger, like we should strategically read scripture to help us in this area. And the passage that we've been talking through this morning, that's one of the passages that if you struggle in this area, it's one you should read. First Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. Those are ones you should read. This passage right here is another one you should read. I love this. This passage right here. Second Corinthians seven. One. So so the way the way chapter six ends is it talks about how like there should be no fellowship between like certain like like, you know, the light and darkness and stuff like that. But then it goes into seven and it says, since we have these promises, these promises about God being our God and him being our father, we being his son, his child. Since we have those promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. So God is not going to do the work that you or I should be doing. He lets us know that we're able to have impact on ourselves. We're able to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. So again, I'm I'm on pause right here. Everything is lawful, but not everything is helpful. Is it helpful? If it's not helpful, again, ruthlessness, cutting rather than coddling. Does it defile me? Is it unhelpful for me? If it could potentially be either of those, then I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to bounce. I need to get out of there. I need to not be a part of that activity. I need to not watch that movie. I need to not go to that party. I need to not go to that location. Bringing, this is what we're doing, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. This is something we're called to do. So it's not just our body that, that, that we're cleansing ourselves from every, every defilement of, but even our spirit and our outlook on others. So that we're looking at them as best we can, the way God would look at them, that we are engaging with them in a way that is pure. I love this. I love what Paul told Timothy in First uh, Timothy five one. He says, do not rebuke an older man. I'm, I'm old, y'all. So. <laughs> no. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Oh, okay, I should have went to two as well. Then it talks about how um, the older women as mothers and the younger sisters, the younger women as sisters. So the way our mindset should be, now I, I try to take this wherever I am, right? Just let this just be a mindset that this older woman, I'm going to treat her like I want somebody to treat my mom. This older man, I'm going to treat, treat him treat the way I want someone to treat my dad um, or me. <laughs> the... Um, the, the, the younger women, I, I, I don't have any sisters, but I have four daughters, so I can treat them like, like a daughter. That's how I can treat them. The women my age, I can try to treat them like sisters. Um, obviously, there's some people that, um, <laughs> even that, you, you just need to be careful with. And, and what I mean by that, again, I mentioned like if we, if we get stuff from people, But then sometimes people can get stuff from you. Right. People can get stuff from you. I remember my wife telling me once um, it wasn't yesterday. It was years ago. Um, We were talking about something that uh, involved um, a, a woman. And she was like, well, you don't know how they receive what you're doing. I'm like, well, I'm like, well, I don't I'm not I don't care about this person. But you don't know if they care about you or you don't know if they now people do give off signs. But you have to that for the sake of time, like you have to like be able to have discernment about that yourself. Like we can't do everything for you. But (laughs) but the mindset. First, and the body will follow strategic reading of scripture, inclusion, inclusion of others in our community what I loved about last week was that people understood it was a safe place to come and just like let someone else know like where they are, but that was one time. We have to build community into our sanctification so that we can grow at the rate that God wants us to grow, right? So one time is cool. That's the beginning, but it's just that. It's just the beginning. So Remember that this about about scripture, this is what the psalmist said. I I mentioned this before, but how can a young man um, keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? The word of God is necessary if we're going to grow. It's necessary. There's no way we can get around it because there are other messages going out that are more, uh, you know, that, that are coming at more with more frequency to all of us. But the word of God has to be our guide. And so strategic reading of scripture coupled with praying, coupled with including brothers or sisters that can help you provide some. I'm not going to. The old old school word is accountability. um, But people who will walk alongside you as you grow. All of those things are necessary. If you want to grow, if you don't want to grow, you can, you know, you shouldn't be here right now <laughs> because around here we're, we're trying to grow. That's what that's what we're trying, trying to do. And so our, our mindset about sexuality is that sex is not bad. God made it. Pastor Kurt mentioned this uh, last week. But with outside of the confines in which he places it, then it is it can be destructive. Um, God doesn't want that for us. And so he's empowered us to be able to live in a manner that pleases him. That, that empowerment has to be accessed, though, not in the moment of temptation. Your arsenal has to be built up before the temptation comes so that you can do battle in, in an effective way and in a successful way. Um, the battle is going to include reminding yourself of what God says, not how you feel. Um, you're going to have to store the word up in your heart so that you will not sin against the Lord. And you're going to have to slow things down so that you can access the, the passages that are needed to, to, to battle right now. And you're going to have to include others to pray for you. You're going to have to include others, just, just including others. You know, sin grows in the dark. It grows in the dark. It grows in the dark. Letting others know is a way of shedding light so that they can help you, so that they can One, there was this brother, and I'm probably going to end with this, this young brother at Parkdale High School, um, who I saw after, I mean, he's in his last year of college, he's actually interning there. And he was telling me about how God, like, things have been happening in his life so much that he can't just say it's a coincidence. So he said that he was at, he was at a a place somewhere, maybe he was at MGM, he was somewhere where you could gamble slots and all that. And his friend, who's a believer, a straight-up believer, sent him a text while he was there that talked about the fleeting pleasures of riches. Like right at that time. Letting other people know you never know how God will use them in a timely manner because God has you on his mind. Right? He knows he knows and he sees you. And so he cares for you enough that he might move someone at just the right time, and they may not even know. It. They're just sending the passage to encourage you, and it's coming right then. He said he left right then and there. And then, like I said, we were having this conversation about man. There are too many things like God is after me. Basically, was what he was telling me. And it's like, well, man, I'm gonna be praying that he gets you, my brother. You know. Um, so, 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 so we know that God is after us in this area. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you've been married for 33 years or not married at all, been, been single for 33 years. Our culture requires us to be diligent and proactive in this area. So we can apply some of these things in other areas as well as it relates to our mindset and cutting off things um, that we would normally coddle. We're gonna flip that and say, nah, we're going, we're, excuse me, we're going to keep that there. We're gonna cut those things off. We're not going to coddle them. We're going to be ruthless because while all things may be lawful, They're not helpful. While they may be lawful, they can't. I won't let them dominate me. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also I'm sorry, can we go back? My eyes will also, I'm missing the word right there. Okay, raise up, raise us up by his power. Continue. Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Next. is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Lord, we pray that you would please help us to do just that. We pray that you would, we thank you for equipping us more in that direction, Lord, to have victory. Lord, we thank you for last week. We thank you for understanding this week that our bodies are not meant for sexual morality, but they are meant to glorify you, Lord. We thank you that glorifying you in the area of sex is possible, Lord, within not only within the confines of what you allow, but also you give us the power, the ability to uh, do well in this area and to not uh, fail, Lord. We know we're starting, many of us, at different points, different junctures. We thank you, as Pastor Kurt said last week, we we, we will work with people, Lord. We are eager to do that, Lord, because we want to, as pastors, we want to present everyone maturing you on that day, Lord God. So we pray that you would help us to move forward in our relationship with you in this area Lord would you help us not to um, embrace anything that is not helpful not to uh, allow anything that's seeking to have dominion over us Lord but instead would you help us to exercise the spirit of God that is within us um, which empowers us to glorify you because we are your temple so father we pray that you would help us we thank you that you do help us and lord I ask you that you would help us to help ourselves in Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, if you, if you have a question, get it in soon. Get it in soon. But I'm going to start with uh, this one right here, bro. Great message. Thank you. It says, um, I think in contemporary secular culture, not honoring, i.e. pursuing your desires, maybe especially your sexual desires is seen as being inauthentic or untrue to yourself or even cowardly. And I think even a lot of Christians are subject to this influence and vulnerable to it, especially in times of temptation when they are looking to justify fulfilling their longings. How would you counter this whole line of thought?
0: Um, there would be a few things I would have in mind to counter that thought for myself if I were confronted with that. The first, I mentioned it during the uh, message, but um, first is like, let God be true in every man a liar. Um, um, God is the one who has fearfully and wonderfully made me um, in all of whatever glory I have and also all of the warts that I have. He's the one who's made me that way. So, I am going to believe what the Maker has said about me, and if He says that my body is for Him, um, and that uh, you know there's a certain context for me to act out, um, you know these urges and desires, then I'm just going to believe that He knows better than the culture. He knows better than my feelings, and there is not, there are very few other areas in which we would just promote lack of self-control. Um, so it's not like it's inauthentic just because you can control yourself would be another thing I would, I would I have in mind that uh, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And so I'm exercising the fruit of the spirit rather than being my authentic self. My authentic self I would also, this is how I would talk to me, these things are how I will be working with me. So I, my authentic self deserves to be in hell but my outlook eternally is um, one where I can look forward to when I die not that I want to go through that process anytime soon and I would want to hold out for the Lord's return but but my authentic self deserves the wrath of God and by God's grace I'm not getting it Um, and I am denying myself again what does it mean to be a believer it means that I deny myself take up my cross and follow Christ. So I would counter that um, would be pretty easy for me to counter um, because what I just did was how I would engage myself if I was entertaining any of that, you know, that type of mindset.
1: So I, I think you answered this in the message, but I'm going to ask it again just so that you can. What are the confines of how we should use our body and sex to please God?
0: I, I think um I probably because I think I answered it as well, but I probably would have to um you know, talk with the person. I don't know if they're married or single. So at first I would say like obviously within the confines of marriage as God defines it between a man, one man and one woman, um, would be that's the confines in which it should be um sex should be exercised. But I'm but I think I I'm not sure if I'm hearing something else. So I will say that the scriptures does not, as far as I see, like just say what should happen in a marriage bed um, when couples are together. So you read it last week, Hebrews uh, in Hebrews where it talks about, um, you know, that. Marriage is honorable and all, and um, King James is going to come out because I don't remember. (laughs) Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. It's King James Version, right? Um, So it doesn't provide any, like, do this and don't do that within that. So I would say within the confines of marriage, then uh, uh, you two should talk about, like, what you do. Uh, I'm sorry, you shouldn't add other people to it. So I mean, just, just um, I mean, just you know, hey. Right? Um, so um, so you shouldn't do do that. You shouldn't be swapping or nothing like that. None, nothing, I mean, they, some some churches do that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know pastors of those churches. But if you look at documentaries and stuff, you see, man, that's kind of stuff happens, right? Um, so I think in terms of like the couple, though, like outside of those things, um, that the couple would have to decide what they like and how to serve each other in the marriage bed.
1: All right, does the concept of sex and sexual immorality always have to involve two people, or does sexual immorality also include things like self-pleasure?
0: I'll say that, you know, I don't see anything in Scripture that specifically says don't masturbate. But I found those art, those Playboy's, and other things, or whatever was was in the stash, um, you know, at a very young age. So it's not like I don't know. But um, so I think for me, the, the 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 James passage about you know your own desire and conceiving, like how do you get? How, for me to overcome in that area. Um, like, what am I thinking about that puts me in a place where I need to do that? Um, you know, so how did, did how did we get here? Would be like a huge uh, evaluation tool for me. It's like, okay, well. Um, so if it was because I just was in the mall and I just was just looking around and like this was overcome my desires high because of that, then like, okay, man, you, you like, <laughs> again, I'm talking like I would talk to me, so. <laughs> so like my brother, like you, like you set yourself up for this, right? Um, if it's, uh, you know, obviously if it's, if it's about someone else, that, that then like that's sin. I mean, you're, you're expressing your, um, yourself in a way that God doesn't, you know, because you're using that person. You're using their body. You're using their whatever, their personality. You're using them. Right, in a way that God doesn't want you to use them. Um, so again, I can't find anything that says, like, hey, man, don't uh, release the urge that way. But um, I, I, for myself, in the past, that has included targeting someone or a result of having targeted with my eyes other people, uh, other w- women, um, for time. So I hope that that helps, but I don't know if you have anything to add, but feel free to.
1: Yeah, let me just add one thing, because that's such a big issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think outside of the confines of marriage, right? So again, there's a lot that goes in marriage, but outside of the confines of marriage, I mean, self-pleasure is really just lust acted on, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think last week's passage, I think, you know, Verse 4, when it says that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, I think we have to put self pleasure in as in a lack of self control over our own bodies and that we're acting in the passion of lust. Uh, I think we have to consider that that's the real issue and not make, you know, see it as something. Now, in the confines of marriage, it's a different conversation, but I think for the most part, it's usually going to be an expression of lust. right? And I think it's an expression of a lack of self-control.
0: Thank you, great, thank you.
1: All right, Uh, this is a good question. How would you recommend going about correcting others in the faith who who you're close to towards sexual purity?
0: Others in the faith? I think I would go at them similar to how I go out to myself. I would remind them of, <clears throat> you know, the passage you, you referenced in 1 Thessalonians. I remind them of this passage and just remind them of the call of God on their lives to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Um, and in this area, um, that looks like... Um, Like you have to overcome this. And if you don't overcome this, then like scripture says you should overcome it. Scripture says you should overcome it. And so you have the wherewithal to do it by the power of the spirit. So at some point it becomes whether or not you want to overcome it. And if you do not want to overcome it, then the Bible tells me um, that if you're still calling yourself a brother or sister and you continue in that, like, I'm not even supposed to, like, have a meal with you anymore. Like, I'm not even supposed to, you know, interact with you as a believer. So I would let them know, like, I would I would be very serious about the state of my soul, that I can uh, embrace this sin over and over and over again with no uh, work to help me to overcome it because the body's not for sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And the call is to flee it. Um, And it's not just in that passage throughout scripture, um, you know, uh, Joseph. He says, how could I sin against the Lord and against my master? Right. So he runs away from that house. Right. Because he's not willing to engage in sex. But the first thing was the Lord. Right. Sin against the Lord. So it's like, okay, well, you can overcome in this area. And, that, and remember, that was that was a time when the spirit wasn't even given the way it's given now. Right. <laughs> right. So the spirit at that time was given to particular people um, for particular times um, and maybe particular tasks. But um, we have the spirit. Remember, we're, the, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we do that, then we're joining God with this person. And um, and so the detriment there is such that, you know what? And those lists, those lists that say people want to inherit the kingdom, like sexual immorality is always there. Usually the first one listed. Um, and so, you know, I'd be concerned for your soul is what I would say. And um, if you want help, I'll help you. But um, we need to escalate, you know, we need to escalate the situation. So if we need to involve our pastors or our group or whatever. Like, that's what we're going to do thing about that is it's, it, the wonderful thing about, you know, what we've been talking about today is that um, the, the reason, the, what, what makes this so crucial is the end of verse 19 and 20. Well, no, we'll just do 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Let's not, and we cannot, and we are going to take a moment to remember that we were bought with a price. That's what empowers us and enables us to not adhere to what the culture says we are, (laughs) to demean ourselves to that level that we're only about having to express ourselves sexually. No, we're much more than that. We've been bought with a price. We've been transformed. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And that is because our Lord and Savior took on the sin that was ours and took that death that, that wasn't his so that he could redeem us and make us his. And now with our bodies, we get to glorify him. And so in light of that, in light of his sacrifice, um, we're going to take uh, the wafer and in, uh, in, in, in these communion elements. And this is for those, only for those who have been uh, purchased by the blood of Christ. Only for those who have, you know, who are striving to be disciples of his. Um, so we're going to take this wafer, which represents his body. We're going to thank him, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the power you give us through your sacrifice. We take and we eat this wafer, which represents your body now, and we say thank you. And now we're going to take the juice, which represents the blood that was shed for us. for the remission of our sins and drink. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you for your empowerment. Thank you for your perspective on us to adjust our perspective to yours. Please help us to grow as we ought. Help us to be proactive so that we may glorify you with our bodies. And as necessary, help us to flee sexual immorality. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week.